What's good, y'all? Torrent Currents here. Well, in a desperate attempt to keep up a somewhat regular posting schedule, I dug deep into the archives to this week's Aspie Talk. It's a discussion between me and Stacy about social scripting and some of the things that might be necessary to teach autistic kids that you wouldn't necessarily have to teach neurotypicals. Just a fair bit of warning, uh, we go hard. Well, I go hard in this episode. Harder than I remember going. A lot of profanity, a lot of speaking about politics and some maybe politically incorrect statements. So I just want you to keep that in mind. Also, the social media plugs we do at the very end of the episode, just ignore those because we've changed our handles since then. This week, this episode was a couple months old. But overall, I, I personally enjoyed it. I still think it was very educational, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. And we are live with another episode of Ask Me Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by the autism sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you today? <laughs> you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I can't complain. I guess I could make up something, but I'm doing good. Yes. And I'm just, I, I, I love doing these uh in, this was definitely an impromptu episode. Yes. I basically hit Stacy up and be like, I wanted to record tonight, even though it wasn't normally when we record Aspie Talk. So I had a topic. I kind of just wanted to get on the mic and just talk about stuff. And Stacy yeah. presented a topic to me, and I was like, let's do it. So what's our topic today? And and I'm gonna, going to, I just really need to stop saying gonna. I am going to just really quickly say that uh, I was excited about the spontaneous because having these discussions uh, really does give me a lot of energy uh, to just get more creative with what I do for my parents. And so what I wanted to talk about, and I'm excited because I know Torn and I have really different perspective on this, but the same perspective, but different perspective or whatever it is on do we really need to teach social skills directly? And this topic, of course, is on my mind because this weekend there were a lot of posts in parent groups about getting ready for, you know, like social skills summer camp and making my child talk to their cousins and make okay. friends and being invited to birthday parties. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about a social skills summer camp. Yes, there are social skills summer camp programs. Yes. Okay, before, before I comment on that, the, us, the, 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 the usual disclaimer, Aspie Talk is a place where we talk about things that affect autistic people, and it's a place where we can unmask and say how we really feel, mm -hmm. so it's going to be more uncensored than our main mm -hmm. series. Uh, you might see discussions on things like politics and race and economics. Those might happen. Other Because autism doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yes. With that said, if you're listening with kids, that you don't want to hear bad language. I suggest putting on headphones, unless you're one of those cool parents. It's like, eh, don't learn it anyway. Then right on. <laughs> so what the fuck is a social summer camp? Well, believe it or not, there are social skills summer camps for like three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And I'm thinking, if you've ever been on a playground in elementary school with recess, like kids are literally just running in circles. Boys are running after girls. Girls are screaming, oh! Then they say, he's running after us. And they tell the teacher, I mean, there really is like no real, like, I mean, there are some people that. That meet. sounds like high school. 
It does sound like high school because it doesn't really change. And it's that way in the workplace as well. <laughs> um, but it just, so, so this is my, this is my, my sort of like, oh, every time I hear someone say, oh, we're going to teach social skills. Is there a social skills class? And I'm like, they're three, like seriously, three-year-olds, they're three-year-olds. And I love I love to go to a daycare or any kind of playground setting where there are a lot of toddlers because toddlers have the most raw, innate social skills um, that I, I've ever seen because it's all about me. It's all about, you know, me as a toddler. I, 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 I. So it's all about my turn, my turn, my turn. And I love how some kids are just like passive and some kids are like bossing the entire playground around, right? Because that's their personality. So I always find it fascinating how children start off with their personalities and that's how they engage. But for some reason, everyone is really bent on teaching social skills and, 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 you know, how to make friends. And I'll tell you my big piss off one is, you know, there's all these social scripts and social stories that, that teach kids to say, hi, my name is Sam. Would you like to be my friend? I'm like, okay, that number one is inappropriate. Number two, nobody says that. Like who says that? Hi, I'm Nancy. That's, I that's be a good friend. way for Sam to get his ass kicked. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like nobody talks that way. And so when they teach these scripts on, you know, how to make a friend, I'm like, that there's no script for making friends. Yes, turn taking is important. Those are manners, right? I'm not talking about manners. I'm not talking about kids being able to run around and hit other kids with a toy. I'm talking about teaching this direct social script, social skill of making friends so that you know, everybody can feel good about themselves and they get a 100 birthday party invites. I don't know what the rationale is. What are well, your thoughts I on I, I think this is a broad topic, and mm -hmm. um, if you can help me understand, yes. social skills vary, obviously, per society. They also vary um, per age group. Social yes. skills at five is going to be different than social skills at 15. It's going to be yeah. different than social skills at 25. It's going to be different than social skills at 35 until you reach about the age of 65, then you no longer have to give a fuck. <laughs> so... What I want to know is, what do you define when you mean, do we need to teach social skills? What exactly are we talking about? Are we talking about things like making friends? Are we talking about being able to talk to other people? Are we talking about uh, adults in the workplace or all of it? What exactly are we talking about? So I will streamline it. That's a really, really good point. I will streamline it just because the talk of the day seems to be social skills camp which is directed towards teaching children how to interact with their peers and how to make friends, right? And, and I think what bothers me so much is the focus on friendships, you know, parents have for their children, whether they're teenagers, whether they are elementary school, the focus on social skills to make friends when friendships are developed and blossomed out of just a natural human connection, right? Uh, and and sometimes just because your parents are always together. <laughs> I mean, I have a really good friend that I've known, I think my entire life, guess, and she's a really good friend of mine, but it's because our family, our parents were friends, right? So by default, we have this sort of sister friend relationship. Uh, but it's the focus on forcing children to initiate an interaction 
in a, a setting that they should be able to have free choice. Maybe that's what is just no, and the I, scripting, I, I, the scripting I think, part. I think that does narrow it down pretty much, the scripting part. I hate the scripting part. Well, I shouldn't say I hate I, I hate things like scripting. Because I actually don't hate it. My thoughts are very nuanced. I do believe social skills to a certain extent need to be taught because I've seen what happens when they're not. Mm -hmm. You get, for example, um, in, I went to a high school, as I've mentioned a million times. We need, by the way, we need a bingo for shifting the narrative for like certain things that like, if they say it, you get bingo and if you win enough times, we'll give you prizes or something like that. Like every time I mention how much I hate social media, um, every time I make a politics joke, uh, every time I talk about my high school, like, it's like, like a drinking game, like a drinking game. Like in a drinking, well, except people will be dead. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like, like I was saying, uh, at my high school, which uh, focused on neurodiversity, we mm -hmm. call it that back then, mostly autistic and, and ADD individuals. There were a lot of autistic kids who had not been taught social skills mm -hmm. because our school sucked. It was mm -hmm. K-12, but it was more like, let's protect the kids from themselves and actually teach them skills to not get like wailed on once they hit the real world. And I, I saw some fucked up shit. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I might have told this on the podcast. I don't remember. I know I've told you. I had a friend who went up to a girl he liked and told him and told her with the utmost passion and respect and honesty that he wanted to gang rape her. Ah, yes. And if anybody's thinking he understood what gang rape was, exactly. He mm -hmm. thought that was a compliment. He's like, I think this bitch is so fine. I want to run train on her. Yeah. That is what happens when you don't teach social skills. You get shit like that. And I got a million of those stories. So so let me ask you this then. Is that social skills or is that just talking to your boys about how they should talk to girls and treat girls? Because that's not, I mean, like I think, and I, I it's a gray area. I get it. I get it. I get it. So, and I know I've shared this story before about my students that I've worked with where they go up to girls and say, hi, I want to touch your boobs. Well, they're 16. They're very concrete. They're being polite, right? Well, that's, from that's better. Maybe I hung out with degenerates. That's better than the people I hung out with. Yeah, no, it, it is definitely, definitely better than just grabbing um, boobs. However, it's, it's the perspective that my student felt they were being polite because they were asking first. And as a 16-year-old boy who was attracted to boobs, he wanted to touch them. That doesn't make him a pervert. It's just making him a pubert, pubescent boy, exactly. right? Like, boobs are awesome. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to touch boobs. And he was polite enough from his perspective to ask her. Now, that that is where helping understanding the the way we talk to girls, right, is is part of teaching boys in general, right? We have to teach all of we should be teaching all of our boys and modeling, um, hopefully they have good role models. But in terms of teaching that sort of direct conversation script, because that's what they do in social skills camp. I mean, I could give you all of the visuals, all of these like, you know, social stories and nuances of, you know, this is what you say on the playground. I'm like, no, that's not what you say on the playground. And who talks like that, right? Who talks like that? Um, Torin, you remember the story I told, uh, I'm sure I'm sure I've shared this story at some point. I don't know if I, I don't think I've done on the podcast, but the story in reference to when I went to a conference as speech therapist and we ran into this autistic gentleman in the elevator and he said, 
all of these things about Louisiana and asked us all these questions and did the social skills, right, that he was taught. And then at the end of the conversation said, you know, after we said it was nice to meet you. And I said, oh, I only asked you those things because that's what my speech therapist told me I'm supposed to do. He really wasn't interested, wasn't interested. And 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 you and I, you touched on pleasantries and a discussion we had before. So it's like, ugh, I don't know, I just. <laughs> well, yes, to answer your question, yes, we do need to teach boys how how to respect women and how to not say shit like that. I, I do agree, especially because this was 10, 12, 13-ish years ago mm-hmm. in that ballpark. Less than 15, more than 10. Um, so back then, this is well before the Me Too movement. However, I also, there were females in my school, uh, autistic females. One of them during the class just kind, just kindly and very spontaneously just said she believed white people were the master race. Oh, well, there you go. So that's the stuff I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And then also from personal experience, I didn't get any of that coaching, which, yes, tends to make you very robotic. However, I learned social skills through learning the hard way. I had to essentially say stuff that was fucked up, suffer repercussions, and not do that again. And the problem is that takes years. It took over a decade and can get me into a lot of trouble. Yes. Uh, here's an example of and this is very embarrassing and cringy of a situation where I said some things I shouldn't have because I was trying to be sociable. During college, so I'm already, this is like my second year of college, and this is my level of social skills to give people an idea. I get in an elevator with a friend of mine. It's a packed elevator. It's like six of us in there. and It's a small elevator. And for some reason, and to this day, I don't know why, what possessed me to say this? I think I wanted to make small talk, and I was doing a. I was in a phase where I wanted to be edgy. Ah, so I rubbed my. I clapped my hands together like this, rubbed my hands, and said, "Okay, cool. We got a dude fest because they were all dudes. It's a dude fest. Who wants to be the first to take the pants off?" <gasps> now the worst part of that is my friend informed me once we left the elevator that he knew one of the dudes in the elevator and he was gay. Mm-hmm. So it was like that. That was his response. Wasn't the fact that he said, "Who wants to have an orgy?" He was cool with yeah. that. It was because yeah. there actually was a gay guy. I'm like, how? I don't know. How the fuck am I supposed to know he's gay? He's like, oh, he's very flamboyant. I'm like, I wasn't looking around. I was just trying to be edgy. But that's the type of, and that's a relatively innocent story. I have worse ones that aren't as funny. But <laughs> that's because I received no training in, hey, don't say shit like that. And I came from a household with my father who just said wild shit all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I once, uh, in high school, I once met a person in counseling. He was an Asian man. And I thought that how you make friends was just start rattling off Asian jokes. Gotcha. Like making fun of his eyes and stuff to his face, which mm-hmm. I regret, obviously. To his face because, well, my father was incredibly racist and that's how he talked about people. So I just thought, because mm-hmm. I had no friends growing up and I'm, I'm an only child, I just thought, that's how you talk to people. It's just say racist <laughs> shit. So I wish... I had some form of training to be like, Hey, um, uh, don't, don't, don't like call a girl a whore to her face. That's probably bad. That's probably a bad thing. So do you think that that would have been resolved with social skills camp or just better modeling in your environment? Oh, I would have never, I would have never survived the camp. I would like some sort of, uh, (laughs) I would have never survived camp back then. I would have cried and cried and cried. They tried to put me in day camp. I cried and cried and cried and they did once. 
I cried for two hours straight to my dad came to pick me up. I was like eight and he never let me forget it. Anyway, mm-hmm. and all the money he lost on the camp. Anyway, I wish there was some sort of therapy mm-hmm. where it focused on that. And mm-hmm. yes, obviously, it would have been nice if I came out of a better environment. But yes. the fact is, some people, a lot of people come out of fucked up environments. Yes. Especially, yes. especially once you get into the lower tax brackets, the mm-hmm. poor households not always tend to breed these sort of dysfunctional environments. Mm-hmm. And autism doesn't cut off at a certain tax bracket. Unlike what the TV shows tell you, where everybody's making 500000 a year and like money's not an issue, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't just cut off after you dip below the poverty line. So I do think, obviously, better modeling and stuff would help. But not mm-hmm. everyone has access to that. You can't choose your parents. Yes. And so, and this is why I love that we're having this discussion. Because I know, I, I remember the first time we had a discussion, um, this was brought up a little bit, but from a different point of view. So what I'm hearing is that it would have been nice to have been told, right? But is that something that needs to be done in a room with a picture, with a social story that says, this is what you do here, this is what you do, because we can't possibly cover every single thing that we're going to navigate in life. And I'm not saying we don't teach our children manners and turn, you know, I'm not saying that. Like, what about just teaching and modeling? And I'm I, I'm not saying, yes, we don't get to pick our parents and, and people who are not autistic have horrible, you know, social skills, if we want to look at it that way, based on what was modeled, the people who, you know, go to the store. I mean, I grew up in New Orleans. I love New Orleans, but there are yeah, people who former, go to the store and they former just... Former President Donald Trump, for example. Yeah, didn't stop yeah, him. Just, yeah. Just, just start talking That's to people. Why, this, is, this is ask me talk, folks. I can say how I really feel. That's it. That's it. So I think my issue is the structured teaching directly the scripts of this is what you say. This is how you make, because there's a couple of reasons that I don't like it. Number one, it's not the way human beings communicate to one another. Number two, even if you teach children, this is what you say, this is what you do. They learn it script wise. Everyone's happy. Oh, look, they said this, blah, blah, blah. They still don't know how to apply it because they don't understand the the interaction component, right? My perspective, and I'm not saying my perspective is the right way, the only way. My way of helping my kiddos navigate the social dynamics of their peers is getting other peers to come and sort of, so I will maybe teach, okay, so turn-taking, actually not turn-taking, I will say one of the biggest ones a lot of times is not wanting to lose, getting really upset when you lose, I have to win, I have to win, I have to go first, I have to win, right? Lots and lots and lots of of autistic students tend to do that. I'm not saying everyone, I'm saying it is a common um, issue that has arisen in the classroom setting. Cause I'm talking about the classroom specifically in terms of, or the playground, you know, where kids are with other kids, not at home with your sibling, that's another issue. Um, but in terms of, there's a way to respond when you lose, right? And it is not, throwing up the board and and quitting, right? And saying, I don't want to play with you anymore. Even though you may feel that way, right? It is just really not sort of like what we consider to be, what is it, good sportsman, like, uh, whatever. And, Sports, and now sportsmanship that- Sportsmanship got thrown out the window circa 2016. <laughs> At least in America, it did. Yes, it did. You are so correct. I keep saying, I don't know why the children are expected to behave in school when we have everyone in DC acting like preschoolers. 
So one of the things, uh, and, and oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was going to say that example I just gave popped in my head because my mother, who is not autistic, but very competitive, that is what she would do in the middle of a game of Scrabble or Monopoly. She would, if she was losing, the board got thrown, yep. she quit, that, rage, and that's that was how, about, That's how I am. That's yes. how I am. If I'm losing, I'm rage quitting. Yes. So those things we need to help our kids because the reality is if you keep doing that, fine. The natural consequence is nobody's going to ask you to play with them and then you just have to live with that, right? You just have to live with that. We all have to live with things that we do to people and, and the, the, the feedback we get from that. But I think it's the the scripted teaching. This is how you get someone to play with you. This is how you, because the reality of anyone who's ever watched, I'm, I'm just going back to the playground, right? You know how the kids end up playing the game together? Bobby, I mean, Mary, Mary, Sally, and Susie are running Bobby and Mike run after them. Somebody sees them running. Then somebody else joins in in the running. Nobody says, hey, can I join the running game? Now, junior high, yes. Can I play the football game with you? Can I play the basketball game? And I have a really great story for that, but go ahead. Well, no, tell us the story first. So one of my wonderful, wonderful, um, in fact, I need to catch up with him. He's in his second semester of college, um, which I'm so proud of him because I swear in fifth grade, his mom and I were like, oh, Jeremiah's not going to make it. <laughs> Just like he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Um, not that he wasn't intelligent. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's a struggle for him. So he wanted to play football with the kids at recess. I mean, after school care. And, you know, you have to ask, you know, what team can you be on? And he also loved, loved, and he will most likely be an architect of some kind or a designer. He loved HGTV, loved make, he would draw, design houses and do all that, even when he was in elementary school, right? That was his thing. So that's what he talked about, right? Talked about what he knew, which makes sense. I talk about what I know. Well, he wanted to play the game. So he asked to get in the game. The kids let him in the game. And I said to him, do not bring up HGTV, right? Like, don't bring it up. The other children don't care. Like, literally, they don't care. So he's playing the game, he's having a good time, and there was a, pause, you know, whatever kind of pause there was, somebody had to go get the ball, and it, he couldn't help himself, he's just bubbling over, right? And then he says to the guy during that pause late, hey, did you see HGTV last night? And of course, then all the fifth grade boys just walk away, right? Because none of the fifth grade boys are like interested in HGTV. And that was a lesson learned for him, right? Not only did I, I had told him before, but he, he had to have that, uh, if, I don't want to call it a failure, but he had to have that consequence of the peers walking away at least five to seven times before he figured out. Five to seven times. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to ask that anymore. But it wasn't, you know, it was something he was excited about, right? And he wanted to share it. And he thought, so, you know, that there's no script for that. There's no, let's go through all the rules of what you say during a football game. It's just, let's talk about what you'd like to do. And, and that, I think that's maybe why I get so irritated because a lot of times the social skills are based around what adults think they want their kids to do. Right. Um, not based on what the kids really want to do. Maybe they don't want to play with anybody on the slide. Maybe they just want to play with the dirt and, and stick their fingers in the dirt and make circles, you know, because it's their break, it's recess. I don't know, whatever they want to do. I don't know. 
And, and the thing is, I, I agree with all that. I do agree with all that. It, in defense, allow me to mount a defense of scripting and camps, which sort of brings bile into my throat because I'm generally against any of that stuff because it tends to be unhealthy methods of therapy mm. where sort of oftentimes you're crossing into ABA territory yes. with a lot of these camps and stuff. So I am concerned about that. But autistic people also don't do well with vagueness. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. Same things like, uh, let's say you have a teenage, let's say you have a uh, a college student, which I was a college student once, and I had no social skills. But like most straight 18-year-old boys, I want to talk to girls. But I had no social skills. So when someone says something like, oh, just be yourself. Well, be, be myself is fucking well myself is fucking creepy so I, I tried that shit already i love when they say be yourself like clearly and that's the first thing i did and it didn't go well so clearly that shit's not working and with, with nothing else that be yourself as opposed to receiving actual like step-by-step directions and what worries me is when me and some of my autistic friends in college received directions it was usually from like bros mm-hmm. and the direction was um let's just say problematic Yes. A common example, we were in the club once. So we must been over 21 because we were in the club. And I was with my friend who, who's autistic. And his frat brother, because he was in a frat, and his frat brother comes over. And he asks the dude, how can we go dance to these girls? So everyone's dancing with the girls. They're grinding on them and all that stuff. One of those, like, seedy clubs where, <laughs> where drugs are definitely being done right on the dance floor. And the, I'm standing right next to him. And the frat brother is saying, well, here's what you do. First, you walk up behind the girl and grab her. Like, from behind. You grab her. And then you just start grinding on her. And grinding, people know, is when you bust yeah. your pelvis. In. Yeah. So, and you start grinding on her. And if she's into it, she'll grind back. And then, if she's really into it, you can spin her around. That's the phrase you use. You can spin her around and try to make out with her. And... This is terrible advice. I'm standing up like, I'm pretty sure this is bad advice. But once again, this is just before like the Me Too. This is the reason there's a Me Too, by the way. Because mm-hmm. this is the type of shit that's going around, like guy circles. And he went and he went and, and did that and got rejected some more. But that step-by-step advice, however awful, is going to mm-hmm. resonate with autistic people yes. more than something vague, like just be yourself. And for children, that's even more so. So you mentioned things like teach your kids manners and stuff. That's great. But you have to be specific. The reason I like scripting is because of all its faults, it's very specific. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has its faults. And yes, it it basically discourages critical thinking and thinking outside the box. And autistic people tend to struggle with that to begin with because we're very routine-oriented. But it does offer structure. And I think the goods outweigh the bads in that case. Now, in a perfect world, you're teaching your children manners. You're being specific on what are appropriate, like you were with that kid, what are appropriate ways to engage with play on the playground. And once they make a mistake, you're reinforcing that with detailed instructions on how to not make that mistake again. (laughs) Especially for children, so they don't have to make the same mistake 15 times like I had to before they learn, shit, I better not do this again. Also, obviously, it goes without saying, perfect world, you have decent role models who aren't singing songs about certain ethnic groups when you're five, like my father did. Uh, (laughs) I'll just leave that there. But 
in a not, I'm talking, I always talk, in t- whenever I argue for something, I'm assuming the situation is not perfect. I'm assuming the situation mm-hmm. is far from perfect, and maybe that's because of my upbringing. I'm assuming the situation is sort of fucked. And what can we do with this fucked situation and make it decent and make it so the autistic person in this situation has still has a shot, has a shot to exist in a very cruel neurotypical world. Yes. And, so, and, and yes, I admit I'm very biased because of my upbringing where I didn't have any of that. And yeah. I had to stumble and fall a lot and be very good at getting back up after getting punched in the face. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me streamline my issues with teaching social skills directly. Teaching social skills directly in an intensive therapeutic setting without incorporating it into or considering the naturalistic setting. So, for example, when we teach children a script, when you go up to see kids, you want to play, you say, oh, can I play? What the script says and the social story says is the other kids say yes. The other kids don't have to say yes. They don't always say yes. So now you have kids set up for frustration because I said, can I touch your boobs? And the girl said no, right? Uh, because sometimes uh, people will say no. Uh, so I my, I just, so your scenario in terms of, uh, let's just say a junior high kid. And if you are working with a student or you're the parent, you know, and your kid says, oh, you know, I want to have a girlfriend. Oh, so how do you think you get a girlfriend? What do you talk to the child, figure out what it is that they want, and then use that, that's that, that scenario to guide them without necessarily, this is my thing. This is why it doesn't work. Because if you go to social skills camp in the summer, then everybody expects you to memorize everything from social skills camp. And then the next school year, you have like social skills and you fit into and no one can tell that you're autistic, right? Well, it doesn't work that way. Number one, you know, whether or not someone's trying to make you appear um, neurotypical or not, but life is not necessarily going to be, if I say hello, can I play? They're going to say, yes, you can join us, right? And so, and not all kids are going to be able to transfer that regurgitated stuff they do during the therapy or the social skills camp into the real world because the real world moves very quickly. Um, So that's where I just am like such a stickler about what we teach in a closed room that we want kids to transfer over. Go ahead. And no, I, I think you bring up a very good point that I wasn't thinking of, but it's a very important point. It's we when we script things and when we teach therapies and not just autistic people, but to children in general, we we always leave out the possibility of things not going their way. Because we always want we always want kids to think positive. We don't want them to be down on themselves. I understand. But the fact is, we have to prepare them for sometimes mm-hmm. things are going to go wrong. Sometimes you're going to ask to play and they're going to tell you no. And they're not even going to be polite about it. They yeah. might not even be polite about it. You're going to ask the girl to, hey, can I touch your boob? And they're almost certainly going to say no. In fact, they say yes. That's kind of an outlier. And I mention that because there's also the possibility of situations going better than you expected. And then fumbling the football because you didn't think you'd get that far. That happens to me more times I can count in various situations where, mm-hmm. because like my only skill in life is I'm pretty good at talking. So mm-hmm. I constantly talk myself into situations I'm utterly unprepared for. 
Mm-hmm. This happens a lot with jobs. The reason I never hold a job too long, I talk myself into doing a job I'm completely unqualified for, and then it becomes apparent I'm unqualified. And then I'm sort of looking around like, well, well what do I do now? I, I didn't think I'd get this far. So I think, I still believe there needs to be some sort of, of uh, structure, maybe not scripting, but some sort mm-hmm. of specific structure. But we need to teach kids that the possibility of failure and we need to teach kids about the possibility of failure, and we need to teach children about possibility of things going better than they expected and what to do when they get to the next level. They might ask people to play, and they might those kids might expect them to say no, and they might actually say yes. Well, now what do you do? What do you mm-hmm. do to make sure you don't start talking about HDTV to a mm-hmm. bunch of fifth graders, for example? <laughs> yeah. Or how to, even better, or how to funnel that in a way that you don't, like, creep everybody out and they just leave. And yes. that also works on the other end where you teach neurotypical children and non-autistic children to be more accepting. That's that, that's exactly. a thing as well, obviously. Yes. But like I said, I work, different between me and many members of the autism community, of the autistic community, I work in a world, I assume a world where things aren't perfect, where in fact mm-hmm. things are, are less than even good. And in a world where things are less than good, you can teach about inclusion, but kids are still going to be assholes because that's just yes. how kids are. They're assholes. Yes. So and I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I just cut you off. I'm so sorry, Torin. Children are going to be assholes. Workplace, they're going to have a lot of assholes. So at some point, we all have to figure out how to deal with assholes because they're going to exist in our environment, whether they're inclusive or not, whether they understand autism or not, whether they're autistic or not. Like there are people who are just freaking assholes, right? Um, I guess when I think about and I'm, I'm talking about this because, you know, parents are asking about it. Parents, their expectation is that I'm going to send my child to this. They have this program. I won't mention it, but there's a program for teens and it's a six week program and parents send their autistic uh, uh, neurodiverse ADHD kiddos there. And they really expect that they're going to go and in six weeks, they're going to have these perfect social skills and be able to navigate their peers. And the reality of it is first of all, puberty is difficult. So I don't think anyone knows what they're supposed to, I mean, like they're everybody, whether, you know, everybody's kind of like confused and yes, you're going to make mistakes. And sometimes making mistakes is how you learn. That's how a lot of us learn. Okay. Don't do that again. Right. Because that didn't get a good response. Um, and, and sometimes we need support and help recognizing that, right. Sometimes we don't even recognize it. Um, the other part is I don't like when adults project their social needs on a child um, or a teen, or it doesn't matter. I mean, I I can give a perfect example of a relative of mine who has a very introverted, uh, we suspect probably needed a diagnosis um, when he was younger, but he, he just doesn't really care to have a lot of people around him and doesn't want to have a lot of friends, right? Over all the time. And and so because the parents are very social, they were pushing and actually like threatening, right? Like if you don't start inviting kids over because you need to have, because, you know, we, we like to go out and we like to have people over and not that he was preventing them from having people over. It was, they wanted their child to have the life they have as social butterflies. Everybody doesn't want that, right? Some children are, are fine creating and building and doing on their own, unless they ask and they're upset about it, yes, that's different than you can help navigate it. I guess that's where I, I, I get frustrated in terms of is the role, is the goal of that social skills camp, social skills 
therapy, six week, 12 week intensive program um, is that design to make the person into what you think they should be doing socially. That is not, that is different from employment, social skill training. Like when you go and you are a young adult and you learn how to work in the workplace, that's a whole different scenario. So just to make that clear, I'm not talking about workplace. Um, I'm talking about peer interaction for social reasons and just, uh, I just can't stand the social skills. Camp thing. I just, it just drives me crazy. No, like I, I don't even know how this is. And I, and I get that. And I completely agree with all of that where it's unrealistic to send your kids to a camp six weeks and expect them to have the, to be uber social and to just be sort of the life of the party and stuff like that. What I do believe in, though, is that there needs to be some form of social training. And I prefer if it happens when you're younger, the older you get, the harder mm-hmm. it is because you start developing your own personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give you another example from my childhood and my high school, the same kid who wanted to run train on a chick. This was not somebody you mentioned, well, positive role models or a thing. This is not somebody who came from a bad home life like I did. He lived on the Hudson River, which is where the rich people in New York City live, in like a penthouse, like on, on the 15th floor. Mm-hmm. He had parents who were very nice, because I was friends, so I met them. They're very nice, very courteous, very non-rapey and racist. And really solid role models. He had a sister who went to one of the magnet schools, one of those public schools where you have to test to get in. In mm-hmm. fact, he was he would often say, my sister went to a specialized school. We went to a special, we go to a special school with the quotations. <clears throat> so he came from a great environment. Mm-hmm. And yet I once got into a fight with him because he was mad at me for, for a prank I pulled on him. And he met me outside the school one morning and walked up to me, guys, I hope you have your headphones on, and walked up to me saying, and I quote, Nigger, 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 nigger. Apparently, dropped the. My friend was next to me saying, "Drop the M word ten times." Wow. Now he also, um, I don't know if it's just through a lack of intelligence or mm-hmm. a lack of situational awareness, but each time he called me the M word, he stepped a little closer to me. So ah. the reason it was ten times is by the tenth time he was within reach of me, and I punched him in the face, mm-hmm. and didn't get in trouble because the teacher heard him call me the M word ten times. This is not someone who came from a bad household. He just didn't know that you really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I had another friend who came from a lower income household, but I met his mother, a single mom. His mom's a hard worker that, that I know of. She didn't say any racist stuff. Yet the dude hated black people. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. hated black people. By the way, he was mixed and he had an afro. I'm like, he's like, he's like, I hate. I'll spare you having to listen to the M word again, but he would say, and he yeah. talked in like this deep monotone, like, I hate bleeps, M words. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my dude, you're my color. And I'm I'm, I'm mixed race too. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. half black. So he's like, caramel color. And he has an Afro. I could never grow an Afro. I'm like, you have an Afro. I could never grow an Afro. And you're mm-hmm. talking about how you hate black people. And he would say it's because black kids, he grew up in the hood. Well, black people in the hood. Black kids used to bully him. And his father was black. And his father was a deadbeat. Mm-hmm. So therefore, he hates black people. That's the conclusion you came to, is that mm-hmm. all black people are bad. The problem is, and you see that among, I, I saw, just, those are just two examples. I saw mm-hmm. that a lot. Some training needs to be instituted to basically, I had very racist views. Now, in my case, it was more a matter of my father was just a, a huge bigot. 
But yeah. I had very racist views that I didn't, I wasn't uh, disabused of until I became older. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm, I'm quite ashamed of. Something needs to be done. I, I hate to put it that way, but some sort of training to teach children. Um, don't call the black kid the N word. If you're going to call the black kid the N word, don't get shocked when you get punched in the face. Don't don't act like the victim when you do that. And because clearly, even when they're coming from good environments, mm-hmm. they're still we because we're, we're we tend to be rigid thinkers. Um, we're come sometimes some of us come to really messed up conclusions. Yes. Based off certain evidence, like having a deadbeat father. Oh, I guess all black people are bad. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I'm not saying that we don't teach our children. I'm saying in a in a six week. Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't speech, accusing you of not saying yeah, that. Speech therapy. I'm. I never say that we shouldn't teach our children. And I do also believe that sometimes children will make mistakes, whether you have a diagnosis of anything or not. You know, if we if if everybody. <laughs> wrinkles make some waves but or maybe not make waves but you know when someone says to me oh you know we want to feel included I'm like okay feeling included means that you may have some consequences as well right means that you may be made fun of because everyone gets made fun of right whether you have an IEP or not right people get picked on so you can't say I want to be included and accepted and not take the crap that comes with whatever that you know all the other non-autistic people whatever you want to however you want to word it not sure how to word it but i i i think yes we teach our children within the scenario as they grow and guide them based on where they are in their developmental stage and what they're looking for with their peers but i do not think we should teach this is what you say on the playground this is how you make friends this is how you do this. Because if I think of my close friendships, each one of them were made and developed in a different way. There was no, I didn't do the same thing for each one of them, right? So there's no one way to make friends. The other part I think, and, and this is maybe not related, but you know, when when parents use the word, and this is all parents, not just parents of kids with autism, but specifically because, you know, like you said, autistic individuals, kiddos kind of latch onto something and they get concrete and then this is the rules around it. And Every peer in your classroom, everyone's not your friend. They're not your friend. Everybody's not your friend. Just because you're all in Miss, Miss Becky's class, it doesn't mean you're all friends. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons I freaking hate that damn rule about you have to invite everyone in the class to the birthday party. No. I, no. I, I agree. I know we're, we're, we're up against time, but I want to tell one more quick story because you yes. mentioned that. Because that's it. And by the way, I wasn't accusing you at all of saying we shouldn't teach people. Oh, I no, know no, there were people who watch so. this who are yes. saying, oh, so oh, oh, so we shouldn't teach anybody? Um, you mentioned how everyone wants everybody to be friends. And some people just don't want to be your friend. In the school I went to, that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. A big, the whole thing about the school was the, the, the director really wanted to focus on anti-bullying, which worked about as well as you'd expect. It works about as well as our, our, as our southern border policy. Yeah. Anyway, so like I said, disaster talk. I don't give a fuck on this show. Yep. Anyway, a big thing was they want everybody to be friends. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, they instituted a thing called the friendship chain. Where, and this was, these were for, a, I was in 11th grade when this happened. So these are kids who were like 15, 16. These aren't five-year-olds. And they instituted a thing for a homeroom called the friendship chain. Where every time you say something nice to somebody, you get a link in the chain. And they did oh. all the homerooms. And the idea was to have the longest chain in the school. 
Ugh. Well, that one of ours, well, is, as once again, you'd expect. The first day of the Institute, the first morning, I walked in. Hey, what's good, Dempsey, you Nazi bastard? Hey, what's good, you Jewish fuck? Hey, Torin, how you doing, you fat oh, black no. motherfucker? Like, we went out of our way to call ourselves the worst shit because you yeah. lost the link every time you said something bad. Mm-mm. We At a certain point, they gave up with our class. Like, they took our class out of the running <laughs> because we were so far <laughs> in the negative. <laughs> and that's the problem. You can't force people to be friends. And the older you get, the more the more they're going, people are going to push back against that notion. Because some people, yeah. I, we just, they, they were, for example, there were people we didn't want to be friends with because I'm going to be honest, there were people in our school that had terrible hygiene. Yeah. Which is common for high school. You don't want to be friends with a dude smells. It's yeah. how it is. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because that's actually what our culture seems to be going to in the workplace the last 10 years is this kumbaya, everyone getting along and let's celebrate your birthday. I'm like, no, I don't like half of you here. I don't want to celebrate. I don't birthday. like half of you here. Um, I can work with people I don't like. I don't have to like everyone I work with. Um, and it's it shouldn't be personal if everyone doesn't like you. And And I know I, you know, see the world from a different lens in my own Stacey's world, but I firmly believe that people have a right to say, I just don't want to go out to lunch with you. No, I'm not interested in going to your party. Uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of things we are taught to do based on social skills and, you know, uh, pleasantries that we really don't want to do, which makes us uncomfortable. And then, you know, we need, we, we, we feel obligated. And then sometimes we are in situations that make us unsafe, right? Because we didn't want to do that anyway, right? And, and that's a whole nother discussion on, teaching that compliance compliance okay, I, think, but I think we already had i'm pretty sure we had an episode about we that. did we did we did um but you know i will i will say my final words uh you know stacy socializes in in stacy's way i am loud i'm not going to not be loud i'm going to be who i am i am extroverted when i feel like it and introverted when i'm not and i will uh anyone who has worked with me who is listening knows i make it very clear my boundaries, and I do not like to do lunch together with coworkers. It's my break. I don't want to have lunch with coworkers. I repeat, I don't want to have lunch with coworkers. I, I don't like I any of niggas. Stop. Well, I don't me. like. I don't even. I don't even think it's about me liking or disliking. I just don't need. I'm not at work to build a sorority sisterhood, right? I'm at work to get a job done. Not if you have friendships. I I think two of my great friendships have developed in the workplace. Now. Not all of my friendships have, but I don't go to work to like make friends. Like I'm not, there's nothing more annoying than a coworker who wants to do everything with coworkers on a weekend. I'm like, please go find some friends. Like seriously, like what is that about? But anyway, that's a whole nother Stacy complaint in life. But I will just, that's all I have to say. I, I think that we need to rethink how we are teaching um the skills that our children teens adults need in order to navigate the world without teaching the social skill in an overly scripted way with the expectation that it's always going to end up this way it's always going to end up this way if you say hi i'm such and such can i come and play you may not get yes right and and so We'll have to have this discussion with some more folks on it and and maybe delve into how everybody likes to socialize. Because I know I have my my 
I have my my things in the way I like to do things when it comes to, and I'm very clear and upfront about my own boundaries. And maybe people don't feel comfortable selling their boundaries. I don't really know. Um, you know, Torin, you've never been out with me to dinner, but when I go out to dinner with folks who've never been out to meet with dinner with me, I make it very clear at the beginning of dinner. I do not like to share my food, therefore I will not offer food to you. However, if you want to taste my food, you're going to have to take your own initiative to ask for it because I don't like to share my food, so I won't think about sharing my food because I really don't want to share my food. And I don't want to take your food either because I don't want to share my food because if you if I take your food, then I'm obligated to share my food and I don't want to share my food. <laughs> so I make it very clear at the beginning so that everybody knows I'm not being rude, I'm not being unthoughtful, I just don't want to share my food. That's it. It's really that simple. I don't I want to wish, share. I, I, there's probably a lot of autistic adults out there that are like, we wish everyone was like that. Like just, <laughs> just letting us letting us know how it is. But we're up against time. So All before right. we go, um, let's actually do what we're supposed to do and plug the social media. So if you want to follow Stacy, follow her on Twitter at ASD for home. So Yep, that 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 that's the handle. I don't think you can change the handle on Twitter. Because I made what? a mistake with if you want to follow the podcast, follow us at Shifting On. That's at Shifting On. That was a mistake on my part making that. I'm pretty sure you can't change it. So at Shifting On, if you want to follow Stacy, it's ASD for home at ASD the number four home. And if you want to follow me, it's TK underscore Aspie with a Y, just like Aspie Talk. Make sure if you're listening, if you're not listening on our website, make sure you like, comment, uh, follow the podcast, engage the podcast. Um, we need to offer sacrifices to our Lord God, the algorithm. So he <laughs> favors us. And we can actually we can actually justify doing this. And until then, I'm ready to go. What about you, Stacey? Yeah, I need to I need to look into that changing that. But you can also She's currently follow me. on her phone like shit. Is that really my handle? I know that was like so. That shows just how much growth since like what ten years ago or eight years ago. However, I will um, I I will say that I love for anyone out there listening um, on Instagram. I'm everything autism, and uh, you can check me out and and see what else Stacy has to say about. I, I think I have an Instagram, but I care so little. I only remember. Okay. I, I I think it's autistic underscore author, but I'm gonna be honest. I I, I don't care about Instagram. So yeah. y'all can follow me if you want. Autistic underscore author. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at the Autistic Author, but Twitter is sort of where I'm at. Twitter is where uh, a lot of the updates about the podcasts and stuff are going to be for the time being. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to remember to plug this at the end of every episode. Let's see how well that goes. I know. And until then, let's get out of here. All right. Bye. See ya. Hey, guys. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, follow us on Twitter at Shifting Autism. You can follow Stacy on Twitter at Autism Sage and on Instagram at Everything Autism. You can follow me on Twitter at TK underscore Aspie, on Instagram at Autistic underscore Author, and on Facebook at The Autistic Author. Thanks for listening.